0: You're listening to Led Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter.
1: Before I share the announcements, if you enjoyed our worship team this morning, um, I'm just going to put a plug in for the CD that they recorded. It is a great collection of songs, and uh, it fits for all ages. And they are out on a table in the uh, foyer. Uh, The best thing about this CD is the price of this CD is only zero free, all right? So you get to take one for free. We would love to put this in your hands so that you can experience worship from Life Church whenever you would like to, okay? So please take one. A couple of announcements. Uh, Membership class is September 24th. This is a, a class where we share with you, if you are interested in becoming a covenant member of this church, uh, we tell you all about this church and how we govern this church and uh, some of the opportunities to do ministry in this church. Uh, our vision, our mission, those kinds of things. Uh, it's a it's a really good learning time to really get to know what life church is all about. So we would love to uh, invite you to that. Um, you can talk to Pastor Dave or myself, and we'll get you signed up for it. Uh, There is a lunch provided. It will be on the 24th of September. It will be immediately following the worship service, okay? So we'll, we'll meet in here. We'll have lunch together, and then Pastor Dave and I will spend some time just sharing with you ...about the church, and you can ask questions at that time, all right? So please, if you want to know more about Life Church and membership, that is the Sunday for you to mark on your calendar. And the following Sunday, which will be October 1st, that will be Membership Sunday. You don't have to become a member because you took the class, all right? You can take the class, and that's just perfectly fine. That helps you to know more about us and who and what we are. Uh, But that Sunday, uh, the first, will be the Sunday that we will take New Covenant members in... So if you want to do that, and maybe you've already taken the class prior to this one coming up, uh, but you haven't joined in membership yet, but you're ready to do that, then please let Pastor Dave or myself know that as well, and we'll visit with you for a few minutes about that, okay? One last announcement. Yvette is going to step up here real quick and share with you about the Family Life Weekend. I believe that is on.
0: Good morning. Uh, my husband is not here. Last week he was up here sharing about a convention about marriage. It will be November 3rd through the 5th. And someone might think, I have a wonderful marriage. Why should I go? Or, I am a newlywed. It's going wonderful. Why should I go? It's just a matter of time before you get into an issue. I see Alison's laughing over there. But this is a wonderful time to go and reconnect and be reminded why you got married. So if you need more information, please feel free to talk to me or my husband after the service. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you. Okay. At this time, we're going to hear the word of the Lord.
0: All right. Um, Before I share the scripture for this morning, Pastor Bill asked me to share... A little uh, story with you all. Um, in 2003, I was living in St. Paul, um, and uh, we had just switched churches, and my and, and we're missing our old pastor and, you know, didn't have a church home, and so my dad came to visit, and he brought me a cassette tape of a sermon that he had heard at his church that he thought was just really amazing, and so he gave it to us, and we listened to the cassette tape. It was really great. Um, and then this cassette tape floated with um, me through five different moves, including going to Seattle and um, then coming back here. And um, when I got back here, my parents um, said to me, you know, I think there's a really good church you should go to in Sioux Falls. It's called Life Church. We've heard of the pastor. Our friends Jan and Larry Schmidt go there, and we just think it would be a fantastic fit for you. And so that was in December of 2011. We started attending there, and I've moved five times since then, and that cassette tape has managed to survive junk drawers and junk boxes and and all of those things. And the the name of the sermon on it is Abraham's Adventures, Um, and it's a sermon that was given by Pastor Bill Carpenter while he was visiting a church here. (laughs) And so um, today we're going to hear what... Pastor Bill's calling Abraham's Adventures Remixed. Um, So I have a little bit of an indication, but I have to admit I haven't been able to re-listen to the cassette tape due to the fact that we don't own a cassette tape player, (laughs) nor does anybody I know. Um, But the cassette tape has moved um, now 10 times with me and stayed. And for me, it's just an indicator, as Pastor Bill said to me this morning, God knew him and God knew me um, even before we knew each other. And so um, I'm excited to hear today's sermon. So here's the scripture for today, uh, Genesis twelve one through 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed for Haran. And then also Genesis 21, 1 through 5. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him.
1: Amen. Thanks, Jen. And thanks for the story as well. (laughs) I want to, what I'm going to do today is really transition. I'm transitioning out of a, a lengthy series that we did on freedom. And I'm hoping to transition us in such a way that we're looking very much for a little while at the future of Life Church and where we are going as a church. And in particular, in terms of how we are going to fulfill our mission, uh, which is to glorify God or to glorify Jesus Christ. And we do that by making disciples both in our neighborhood and beyond. That is the real mission of Life Church. And so today is kind of a. a, a an opportunity to sort of make that shift out of really focusing on our own battles and our own struggles uh, and and maybe becoming a bit more other-focused and looking at how we can bring what God has done in us and given to us and actually disciple other people as well. So that's kind of the bigger picture goal here in this message. Now, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to do that? How how is that actually going to work uh, for me to do that, Lord? Uh, And in the midst of that, Uh, I was just thumbing through some papers, and I found the original uh, sermon outline and notes from the sermon that I preached that Jen made reference to. I preached it first in Life Church, and then another pastor in the city listened to a cassette like what she uh, showed you. And uh, he called me and said, hey, is there any way possible you would come over and preach this message to my congregation this is something I think we as a congregation really need to hear right now as we are making some transitions and moving forward. Um, and I, I'm not one to go to another church and preach very much, to be honest with you, but felt really compelled to do that and did so. Uh, and that's the service that her parents were actually in. So with that in mind, this is a remix uh, of a message that, that I just kind of looked at the, the other day and said, wow. That's so like where I want to take us. And that's something that I really want to share with Life Church today. So, uh, 15 years or so later, you're getting uh, a sermon that uh, Life Church got back then. And uh, so, Paul and Ann. Uh, Let's see, who else might be here? Jack, Jack remembers it. I think that might be it. You are the guys who are still around. Sorry, uh, you're going to endure this again. But okay, Uh, the rest of you, it's brand new stuff for you, okay? Uh, But we're going to talk about Abraham today. We're going to talk about Abraham's adventure. And uh, we're going to look at... The the very first time that the Lord speaks to Abraham, he is still Abram at that point, okay? And so he speaks to Abraham, and we're gonna look at how Abraham responds to the Lord in this place, okay? And so that's the the passages that Jen read to you. The first passage was this response, uh, sort of, of Abram to the Lord, all right? And we know that that this is the first time that the Lord speaks to Abraham and gives him this promise, all right? And that's what we wanna kind of hold on to is that God speaks to Abram, and gives him this promise, all right? And here's the promise. The promise is that God is going to raise him up to be a great nation. This is a new nation, actually, okay? Uh, And and that nation would involve a few things. It would involve a great name. It would involve a new land. uh, But more than anything, it would involve a new people. This is a whole brand-new start for Abram, all right? And how many times have you and I maybe thought in our minds, I would just love to be able to just like wipe the slate clean. Man, I would love just a brand new start, okay? Something totally different. Well, Abram gets that here, all right? And we find out in chapter 13, verse 15, that that this would come about through seed, actually, all right? The seed of Abraham. We know that it would all come through his son Isaac, which was the promised son. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 7 says this It says, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. All right. So, by that, we know that, that God gave Abraham the promise of a new nation, and it would include land. It would also include a great name. But the, the, the real promise in verse 4 is simply to, to, to let us know that this is God speaking to Abraham. And in that verse, it's, it, it describes what Abraham did, which is quite just simple. It says, Abram left. God speaks all to this, all of this to a man who is settled. He is rooted. Uh, he has people. He has livestock. Uh, he has servants. Uh, all of his family are around him. But God comes and speaks to him. And in that moment when God speaks to him and says, you're going to a place, doesn't tell him what the place is, folks. Just says, you're going to a place that I will show you. In other words, you're going to have to trust me on this one. You're going to have to come along with me and trust me on this. And the Bible says, so Abram left. And so at that point, this adventure begins, all right? Now, we flip over to Genesis chapter 21, all right? Now, at... It tells us that when Abraham departed, Abraham was seventy-five years old. He was seventy-five years old when he begins this adventure. All right. So now, when we flip to Genesis twenty-one, we have a different story, which Jen read to you as, as well. Um, and here, Abraham was a hundred years old, and this is when his son Isaac was born to him. Now, God visits Abraham at ninety-nine and promises to fulfill the promise. All right. Uh, He's 75 when he gets the promise. He's 100 when Isaac is born, all right? So at 75 years of age, God speaks to Abram and says to him, I'm going to make you this nation, all right? It'll come forth through the seed, the seed of a son. You're going to have this new land. You're going to have a great name, and I'm going to raise you up, all right? So at 75 years of age, God's speaking this, and, and it's, it's powerful. And he's 100 years old when Isaac is born to him. He's 75 when he gets the word. He's 100 when he gets the promise. 25 years. What took so long? Why was it such a long time? A baby is born in nine months. But it was 25 years later that the promise came. We could say a lot of things right here, but here's what I want you to get from this, all right? Because I believe some of you carry promises from God. I believe there are things that in the, in the sweet stillness of the night, God has spoken to them, them to you. I think that for some of you, you've, you've sought God, and in a very particular time in your life where it was really, really important for you to hear from God, God was faithful and he spoke something to you. I think some of you have put yourself under ministries where you allowed people, uh, spiritual leaders, to speak into your life and you've trusted them and they spoke a promise to you that they, they declared was the word of the Lord and you've held on to that promise for a season of your life. It's still there. It's still in you and yet you haven't seen the fullness of it yet, all right? And so I want to say to you today that God is faithful, and God is a God who fulfills His promises. all right? And so I want to take you through a process here of looking at maybe three different areas of thought concerning Abraham's adventure, and maybe why this took so long for this happen, for this to happen in Abraham's life. All right? And so the first thing I want to look at is I want to look at some of the choices that Abraham made, all right? So we're going we're to look at, at this great man of God who is known as the father of the faith. And, and by the way, he made a lot of choices, obviously, over that many years in that span of time. There are a lot, a lot of choices that Abraham made, All right. So let's look at them a little bit, okay? Um, actually, the Apostle Paul speaks in Galatians chapter 3 about Abraham, and he says there that the Scripture foresaw, the Scriptures you know, foretold, foresaw, that God would justify the Gentiles. That would be you and I, all right, by faith. And he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And he, he did that by saying, all nations would be blessed through you, all right? And so we are a part of this promise, if you will, of Abraham through the new covenant. Now, We need to understand here that Abraham made a lot of choices following this promise that God gave him, and all of the choices that Abraham made had dramatic effects on his life, all right? Same as it does for us. Unfortunately, not every choice that Abraham made was a good choice. Unfortunately, uh, some of the choices he made were very bad choices, all right? Um, and, and you're going to see how some of these choices affected this adventure that Abraham has with God and why I think possibly it took 25 years for him to receive the promise, all right? Now, let me, let me break this down for you today and make an application for you and I here at this point, all right? Folks, most Christians don't realize the power of choices. And I think that's one of the things that hit hard and hit home in the previous series that we just did, as we began to identify various bondages and sin cycles in our lives, and as we began to explain and expound on the deadly sins, when we began to talk about all of this, the ramifications of some of our choices came home in a very real and big kind of way for a lot of us. All right, And there were places where some of you voiced regret. There were places for some of you voice just the shame of, of what had, had come along as a result of some choices that had been made years ago in some of your lives, all right? We have to deal with that, all right? We don't always understand in the moment, all right? And those of you who are younger today in this congregation, please get this, all right? We don't understand always the power and the impact of our choices. We need to understand that, that what we are today is basically choices that we made yesterday. The, the place that we are today, all right? What, what we have today. In other words, what I am today is based upon my choices that I have already made in years past. What I have today is based on the choices that I have made in the past, what I don't have today is also based on the choices that i have made in the past choices are powerful and so if you can get that down and begin to think about and 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 submit to the will and the sovereignty of god in your life it will make a huge difference in the the latter impact in your life if you can be faithful and obedient to this god who is always faithful to his promises all right he holds on to his promises. He stays faithful to his promises. And so those of you, especially those of you who are college students here today, all right, I'm not talking to you because you've come here out of some uh, commitment to a class assignment here. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't factor in for me. That got lost at the door. Uh, once you got inside, uh, it, it, you, you're, you're done, okay? You're, you're good, all right? You made it in, okay? Now... The Holy Spirit can speak to you in this moment, and it's more than an assignment fulfilled, all right? It's the Spirit of God speaking to your life about where you are. And for some of you, you are in some of the most wonderful uh, opportunities for adventure. And for some of you, maybe, especially those of you who are university students, this might just be your first big adventure. This might just be the first time that you've left home. This might be the first time that you're making a lot of decisions on your own that maybe you haven't had to make before. But the key here is that you understand that these decisions that you are making now are absolutely critical to your future and to where and when the promises of God are fulfilled in your life. Abraham made some choices, and choices are very powerful. Now, there are some things you don't have choices over or about, okay? For instance, I don't have a choice about whether or not I will die. I will die. Or Jesus will return I'm getting older My hunch is I'm going to die Alright I'm looking for Jesus to come I want him to come now But I honestly believe there's a lot of work to be done Before the Lord returns And I want to be a part of that work And so I want to be able to be faithful I want to be able to be impacting I want to in my old age Claim my mountain so to speak right. I want to be able to do that. And I want you to be able to do that right where you are. But at 63, I'm very likely going to die in this life, all right? But I'm not ready to die. And I don't have a choice over that. That is designed and and determined by the times of God. But here's what I do have a choice in, where I go when I die. That is my choice. And by my choices that I make now, I determine where I will spend eternity And so do each one of you, all right? And so even though I may not be able to choose everything, I can choose some things. And my choices are important. When you're young, uh, you don't get to make so many choices, and that's a part of life, all right? Uh, When I was growing up, we prayed before meals. If one of us ate a bite of food before the prayer was prayed, uh, it was a bad day, all right? All right? So we prayed before meals. We cleaned our plate in my day, all right? Whatever was put on the table, we were a a, a poor family in South Georgia, and uh, uh, we ate. Uh, We ate what was given to us, and we ate all of it. And if we didn't, we were reckoned with. Uh, It was a unique time in, in the world, but that was the way it was. And I remember saying, I would like to have whatever other than what my mom made. And my dad would look at me, and he would set his fork down, and he would say, Son, my wife is not a shorter cook and your mother didn't give you a menu eat your food and be done you need to thank god you're living in the day and age that you're living in okay (laughs) but but i didn't have a lot of choices and maybe you didn't have a lot of choices when you were growing up all right but the day comes as you begin to grow and develop and mature as god's people All right, other people like mama and daddy can't make decisions for you. And maybe you're a person who's older in life, but you've only become a Christian in the last number of years, and you have a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. And maybe they helped you make a lot of decisions initially in your walk with God, and they gave you a lot of advice. But there comes a point in time when you have to step out, and you have to begin to make those decisions and to make those choices for yourself. And even though Abraham was a man of God, Even though Abraham had a word from God, even though Abraham was on a journey with God, he still had to make choices. And some of those choices were not good. Let's talk about a few of those. Choice number one that we'll talk about is found in Genesis chapter 12 beginning at verse 1. On this adventure, God speaks to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I want you to leave. I want you to leave your kindred. I want you to leave your extended family, in other words, all right? I want, I want you to go, and I want you to leave your family and your people behind. In other words, he's saying, don't take your family with you. Now, you go down to verse 5, and look what it says. Abraham left, Abram left, and he took Lot with him. <laughs> in other words, he took his, uncle's son, uh, his brother's son with him, all right? So Abraham is the uncle of Lot, all right? God just told him, don't take your family, don't don't take your kindred, don't don't take the other people. Leave your family behind. And immediately when he begins this journey, he takes his nephew with him, who has all of his family, has all of his slaves, has all of his livestock, has all of his tents. It was a choice of disobedience. God says, don't take any family. He ends up taking a whole bunch of people. Choice number two, Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. It says, Abraham went down to Egypt. Now, Abraham's hearing words about the people in Egypt. He's getting understanding about the kind of people they're going in uh, to be in contact with and to live among. And uh, he says, these are wicked people, Sarah. Uh, And he says, you're a beautiful woman. So he says, they'll kill me and they'll take you. All right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell everybody you're my sister and not my wife. All right? Another bad choice. Abraham in... Trying to be obedient to God and follow God begins to lie about his circumstances. Lest we get too critical of Abraham here, how many times have we, just because we were trying to serve God and do the will of the Lord, we've told a little white lie. Maybe a big brown lie, I don't know. Maybe a pink lie. uh, who, who, I mean, a lie's a lie, <laughs> and and here Abraham is battling with something—it's fear—but battling more with, than with fear, with trust. Can Abraham trust God, the God of the promise, that God will fulfill the promise and take care of Abraham? Or does Abraham, in fear, distrust God so much that he has to lie? How many times have you, with the intent of really wanting to serve God, taken things in your own hands and made your own decisions and tried to do God's plan out of your own flesh and your own strength rather than trusting God in the difficult or adverse situation of your life? We've done it, folks. We've done it so many times. Remember last Sunday's message, self-reformation never works it never has an eternal weight to it. It doesn't continue. Sometimes we're just trying to fix ourselves. Sometimes we're just trying to take care of ourselves. Sometimes we're trying to deliver ourselves. And all we get is a cycle It keeps coming around. We do a little bit, and then we fall back into something. And then we go again, and we start over, and we start over, and we start over. And that is oftentimes because we are walking in our flesh and not in the Spirit and, and in sync with God. All right? Here's the thing. How could she do this? You know, how, how, could, how could all of this happen this way, all right? It's because of doubt. It's because they were, they were doubting what God would do, all right, or what he would be able to do, all right? So even though um, Abraham is wanting to trust God, even though his heart is right, hey, he left. He got up and he left He's following God. But in this process of following God, there seems to be these moments when he can't get beyond himself. He he can't get out of this place of distrusting in some way, okay? Let's look at choice number three, and then we'll move on. It's found in Genesis chapter 16. Abraham comes in. It's been a long time. The promise came, and the promise has sat there. Sarah says these words. She says, I don't doubt one minute I'm paraphrasing this now, okay? She's saying to Abraham, she's saying, I don't doubt one minute that God gave you a word. I believe you. I believe you. I don't doubt one minute God promised you a land. I don't doubt one minute God promised you a new name. I don't doubt one minute God promised you a new nation. I don't have any doubt about God, but what I do doubt is me. I'm not getting any younger. So you go and you take my younger maidservant, Hagar. You take her, you go in and you sleep with her, and you get that son God promised. You hear how that sounds? You get that son God promised. That's much different than, hey, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we got to trust God and wait for that promise that God Has given us. Here's the sad thing: Abraham agreed. He came into cooperating with this idea that Sarah has, another bad choice. How could she do this? By looking at herself, looking at the natural, looking at one's own flesh. See, when you look at the natural circumstances and situations, you can't figure out the promises of God. You can't by your own doing and by your own strength and by your own logic and by your own plans fulfill all of the purposes of God when God's ways are higher than your ways and God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts and sometimes God asks things of us that we cannot see in the natural. We cannot understand or perceive what is going on. As a matter of fact, if we stare too long at the circumstance that we are in or we are faced with, the enemy can actually use that to deceive us and to think Thinking wrong and getting our eyes off the God who is sovereign and the God of promise and the God of faithfulness to a place where we doubt that God is going to come through. And then we begin to expend our own energies, our own plans, our own ways of thinking to try to get what God has promised in a way that God never intended. And when we do that, we make bad choices. So we see the choices that Abraham has made here. Now let's look at the conflicts in his life. And let's notice if we can here how some of these conflicts and some of these choices parallel each other. Conflict number one. In Genesis chapter 13, we find that Abraham and his nephew Lot could not dwell together. Verse 7 tells us that quarreling, strife, rose among them. It gave way to to conflict. They had to actually separate from each other, which led to a, a type of division. And the problem is that Lot's life actually was worse off in the end by coming along with Abraham, trying to come along and attach himself to God's promise. It was even worse in the end than it was in the beginning. If Lot could have stayed where he was, he probably would have been better off than in the end to have gone all the way over to the edge and set his tent right next to Sodom. Conflict number two, the choice to lie about his wife, saying, this is my sister. Pharaoh got so upset, oh my goodness, so upset to the point of saying, get out of here. Now, the sad thing about it was they were in the midst of a famine. This could have been a very difficult time for Abraham, uh, going out from where there was supply and provision, all right? But Pharaoh found out about this. He's very upset. Uh, But he's like, you just get out. Like, leave now. And so Abraham had to take all of his family and extended family and servants and cattle and all these kinds of things and move away from Egypt. And then we come to conflict number three. Sarah said, take Hagar. After Hagar became pregnant, Sarah changed her mind. Why wouldn't she? But see, here's the problem. It's too late. The choice is made. The damage done. Thirteen years Sarah and Hagar lived in the same household. And this arrangement equaled conflict over and over and over again. And eventually Sarah had all that she could handle and she said to Abraham, get her out and her son with her. In other words, she has to go now. Don't you know that this was agonizing for Abraham? To have lived and raised his son to that point? To have loved him as a father loves a son? And then to have to release him and let him go at that point, knowing that he would likely never see this son again? What anguish, what heartbreak this would be for a father, right? And yet it had to be done. And, and God actually told Abraham, You're going to have to let him go. You see, when we make bad choices, there are oftentimes bitter fruit as a result of those choices that we make. And even though your intentions are, are, are noble, Even though your heart is is good in the sense that you really want to serve God, you really want to please God, you really want to fulfill God's will, and you want to embrace God's promises for your life, when you step outside of that promise, when you step outside of the will of God, it has a dramatic impact, not only on your life, but on the lives of others. In each one of these conflicts, there was a tremendous and profound impact on people other than Abraham due to His choices. Unless we get hopeless at this point, let's now wrap this up, all right? Let's begin now to look at and to see the character of God here, all right? In Genesis chapter 17, Abraham is 99 years old. Now remember, when he was called out of Haran, he was 75. He is now... 99 years old. And don't you know that this man had relived these choices? He had relived these conflicts. Don't you know that over and over in his mind, on days out working. Uh, in the desert, don't you know that this man thought about these situations and these circumstances? Don't you know he longed for uh, his son? Don't you know that, that he regretted so much in his mind? What, what ordeals this man must have gone through in these places? He's relived these conflicts over and over and over. And why do I say that? Because I know that for some of you, you have relived choices and conflicts and adversities in your life over and over and over. And one of the things that I heard so many times in the series that we just did on freedom and some of you battling and trying to get through to be free from circumstances and situations, you said to me these words, I just have so much regret. I wish... Pastor, I could just relive that moment. Pastor, I just can't figure it out. I don't know what I was thinking. Folks, God has not changed. Promise has not changed. You cannot live in the place of regret and look forward and, and fulfill the, the purpose and the destiny of your life. You cannot stay back there paralyzed in a place of regret because of a decision you made or a choice you made and how it affected you or someone else. You may still have to work through that and deal with that the rest of your life. It may be there in your life from, from then until Jesus returns or you die. But the reality is how you incorporate and accept and appropriate the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God depends on how you see God' future, not past. And the key is that you and I get out of our own mistakes and we get into the covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ, and we begin to live in that newness of life where God wants to center us in His Son. He's been going on for 24 years, started at 75. God appears to him, and God says this to him. This is amazing. 24 years into this struggle, this adventure, if you will, God visits Abraham, and he says to him, walk before me, be blameless. God knew where Abraham was. God knows where you are. If God can touch Abraham at 99 in conflict, let me tell you something. He can touch you right where you are. He can speak into your life right here, right now. He's not there with Abraham in that moment to talk about his choices. God knows Abraham's choices. God knows where you've been, what you've done, and where you are now. He's not there to talk to Abraham about his conflicts. He knows those conflicts. As a matter of fact, he was part of helping Abraham get beyond these conflicts. He knows where you've been conflicted. He knows where adversity has hit your life. He's not here today to talk to you about those places. He's here to talk to you about the way out. He's here to talk to you about the faithfulness of his covenant that is in Christ. What was God there for in that moment with Abraham? In chapter 17, verse 2, he says, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to confirm my covenant between me and you and I'm going to greatly increase your numbers. In other words, you're going to multiply greatly. Well, that's a little bit hard, I think, for Abraham to understand since God already told Abraham that he's got to get Isaac, uh, Ishmael out of there. But you see, the problem with that is that Abraham doesn't understand that Isaac is in the waiting. And sometimes we're so focused on what we've lost that we can't focus on what we can receive. That there's something more out there for us in God, but we can't get there. We can't see that because we're so focused in something that has paralyzed us in our past, and we stay sitting there in that particular place. But what God is saying here, he's saying, I'm in covenant with you, and here's what I want you to understand, Abraham. I've been in covenant with you 24 years running. 24 years running, I haven't changed. I am still the God of covenant. The promise I gave you 24 years ago is still as real and as valid as it was on that day. What is covenant? Covenant is a vow of faithfulness. Let's talk about the God of covenant for just a minute. Let me, let me bring this to you and I today and, and help you to understand the God that you are serving today. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has seized you except that is common to man. In other words, you, anything you're experiencing, it's already been experienced by mankind. All right? And here's what you need to understand in the midst of your temptations, in the midst of your battles and conflicts and adversities, it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You can say no to the evil one. You can come up out of these places. God is still faithful today, just as he was in the day of Abraham. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and, and soul and body be kept blameless. When the Lord Jesus returns, the one who called you is faithful, and he will do it. That's where we land. That's where we rest, is in this reality that we have a faithful God who has taken care of things for us, all right? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That's where we stay. That's the, that's the rock that you and I have, all right? God is saying to Abraham, he's saying, my will for you has not changed. My covenant has not changed. Even when you made bad choices, even when you made conflicts, when you've been unfaithful in the covenant, Abraham, I'm still there. I've been there. I will be there. And you know what? That's the same message for you and I today even when you made bad choices, even when you made bad decisions, even when you were in conflict in some way, even in the midst of adversity, God is faithful. Why? Because he's a God of covenant. Now... What does covenant do? And by the way, if you really want to understand this whole thing of covenant really, really well, we have some discipleship teachings that are on the podcast. You can go back and you can actually listen to these teachings on covenant from Dr. Hitchcock's and Christina did a great job in talking about the new covenant and the covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. And you just listen to that and it will be powerful for you. And it will be quite helpful to this sermon today, I think, if you would do that, all right? But... I want to tell you a couple of things and we'll be done here, okay? First of all, and here are the takeaways, covenant releases us from our past. In the book of Hebrews, it says we have a better covenant because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for us. Because you see, Jesus has taken care of the problem of sin. Jesus died so that you might be forgiven. Jesus did for you what you cannot do for yourself. And so it's taken care of, it's done. You don't have to deal with that. You don't have to make yourself clean. You don't have to make yourself perfect. God has already taken care of all of that, and he sees you through the cross. And so he comes to you in this covenant that he has established, this more better or more excellent covenant. That is through Christ Jesus, all right? Now, I have to look at that. You have to look at that. And we have to say, you know what? I may not be what I ought to be, but praise God, I am more today than I was yesterday. There is growth. There is improvement. I'm moving forward. I'm going to be more tomorrow for God. I'm going to be more like Jesus as I go forward than I was before. So we live in this grace. We live in this covenant relationship, all right? In Genesis chapter 22, it says, God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. This was a huge test for Abraham. This sermon's not about that test, but I want to I bring that passage out because I think it's very interesting what he says here. He says to Abraham, Now, the promise has been fulfilled. Sarah became pregnant. She bore a son. Abraham has raised this son, the son of promise, the only son. And that's what it says here. It says, You take your son, your only son, Isaac. You know, wait a minute. Did he not have a son, Ishmael, before? Yes, he did. But here's something about covenant. Covenant lives in the parameters of covenant. Covenant thrives in the parameters of covenant. And God has made a covenant with Abraham. And these promises will be fulfilled through a son. But God is not here acknowledging and recognizing the work of Abraham and Sarah's flesh. He is recognizing the work of the Spirit. And here's what I want you to understand. You could have done a whole lot of great things, but if they are not in the Spirit, they're empty. They're just empty works of your own flesh. And they'll get you nowhere, and they'll get you nothing. Hagar and Ishmael represented a flesh work, sin, doubt, fear, disobedience. Isaac represented a promise, a spirit work. See, when you come to the mountain, when you come to that place where you encounter the living God, God never says, hey, bring me all your flesh works. I want to rejoice in them. God says to Abraham, bring the promise. Bring the promise. As a matter of fact, God intends for you and I to get rid of the works of our flesh, just as he did Abraham. God wants only from you that you would bring back the promise that he may take that and call that up in you. And as a good and faithful God, walk you into that promise. No guilt No shame, no condemnation today. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you brought in today with you. But I'm telling you that today, if you're a child of God, you're in covenant. If you're in covenant, there's a promise for your life. And in that promise, God will do everything. He will be faithful to that promise in everything that is on his side. And his intent is that you be faithful on your side. The second thing that covenant does is it releases the blessings of God in our lives. God blessed Abraham. God God was faithful to this blessing and this promise. And you see it brought out in Scripture over time. He spent 24 years trying to get a blessing. And when God came to him in chapter 17 at 99, and God said, Hey, I'm going to establish that covenant now, I'm going to fulfill that covenant with you right now. Nine months later, Abraham's changing diapers. That's faithfulness. In other words, I, I never shifted. I, I never changed in any way. Covenant allows you and I to experience the blessings that God has for us. But here's what I want you to understand about that, all right? Don't chase the blessing. Don't try to make it happen. Don't chase the blessing. Chase God. All right, that's, that's your key. That's your answer. Stop chasing the blessing. Start chasing God. In other words, get up out of your past and get into your future, all right? All right? Rise up out of all those yesterdays and all of those memories and all of those regrets and step into your tomorrows where there is faith and hope and a future for you, all right? Get up out of those places where maybe you've wrestled and battled with with despair and anguish and disappointment and all those kinds of things. Get into the position that God has for you as a child of God. Get up out of that dark place and get into your destiny. Get out of your conflicts and get into your peace, a peace that passes understanding. This is, this is what it does. It, re, it gives you a hope. Covenant gives you a hope for a future. I hope I don't take this passage out of, out of context. I don't want to, uh, but Jeremiah 29, 11, there's a wonderful imagery of what God's promises are like, and he says, I know the plans I have for you. There are plans to prosper you. And there are plans to give you a hope. And there are plans to give you a future. That is God's intent. That is the way God operates. That's the way he's, he approaches you. His intent in covenant is to establish hope in you and to give you a future. Today you can walk into that. Now, You may be sitting here today and you may be thinking, I don't know this place. I don't know this God. You can know this God today because he has sent his son, Jesus, to die for your sins And to bring you into that covenant relationship with Him. Not just to die for your sins, but by the power of the Spirit, He has resurrected His Son Jesus and brought Him to sit at the right hand of His throne. And the Bible says He is constantly interceding for you and I. In other words, it's not something that just happens and it's an insurance policy against hell. But what we're saying to you today is that this is a covenant that is lasting throughout your entire life, this is an adventure. A walk with God. And if you haven't had that and you don't know that, but today is sparking something inside of you, you can grab hold of that today. There are some people that are going to come up and they're going to pray with you. They'd be, they would love to pray with you. And they can lead you. If you've never known this relationship with Jesus, today could be the day for that to happen for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and you can begin to walk in this adventure with God. If you're an Abraham today or a Sarah, and doubt and fear has plagued you, if you've just tried so hard because of doubt and lack of faith to use your own flesh to make it work, and maybe today you've come here and you're just really tired and exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually, because that's what you've done your whole life, let me tell you something. Today is a new day. Today you can begin to walk in promise. Let someone pray with you. All right, let someone help you walk through this place. Step over to the other side and here enjoy the covenant, the much better way, the way through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray, and our prayer team's going to come up. Father, we love you today. I'm so thankful for these people, Lord who have come here today, Lord, to love you and to worship you. And yet for many of them, they've brought a place, Lord, where they long to be free from, and they long to transition out of a past that has held weight over them and into a future that is filled with joy and energy and excitement to serve you. God, would you help every person in this room today to have a fresh start to begin an adventure with you, Lord, that is rich and full and filled with your spirit and your power. God, help us that we would be people of covenant and that we would walk in faithfulness to your faithfulness and that we would long to follow you in the things that we do. I pray, Lord, that you would transition Life Church, Lord, that as we move forward, we become a people, Lord, who is looking to what is ahead of us and the hope and the calling that you have for us. And that we would walk in that and we would fulfill your mission and your vision. God, we ask you to do this in the name of your son, Jesus, that he may receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, please come. If not, you're dismissed to quietly uh, exit the sanctuary.